Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. I just had Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft join us. Taya, the Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list, there are 15 Edmonton and area locations. Go online to royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation, the Mediterranean chicken at Royal Pizza. We are going to head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline and be joined by the president and the CEO of the American Hockey League. He had two stints in the Oilers organization in a senior management role. He was the, also the uh, GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets at, uh, for a number of seasons. So we welcome back to the show, again, the president and CEO of the American Hockey League, Scott Housen. Hello, Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, Bob. How's uh, how's everything in Edmonton? I hear it's pretty hot up there these it's, days. Yeah, it's pretty hot. It's been uh, for about the last week and a half. Uh, I went out to uh, Kelowna and Vancouver for a couple weeks, and it was smoking hot out there as well. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. it's a uh, it's a bit of a tough go. I know you're probably watching the NHL Network down there with the World Juniors taking place. I mean, confluence of events, long winter's playoff run, uh, ticket prices. People are texting the show today. Uh, you know, 30 degrees outside. It was 32 on Saturday, and I was in the building to watch uh, Canada and Czech yeah, Scott. So, uh, and then and obviously what's going on with Hockey Canada as well. There, there's lots happening, but tough sell uh, in August to say the least. Uh, now, maybe yeah. maybe you can educate our listeners. Uh, where are you living these days? I'm uh, living in Springfield, Massachusetts, a, a suburb called Longmeadow, and that's where the AHL head office is. It's been here for probably since the league existed um, 86 years ago. Jack Butterfield uh, was here and Eddie Shore was here and uh, the American League used to be a pretty much a strictly a New England league, so it made sense for the head ops to be here. Yeah, uh, and now the American League, Scott, uh, you oversee, are you going into year three? I'm, I'm thinking, is that right? Year three is the presidency of Year three, that's, that's correct, yeah. You, you guys are literally everywhere, aren't you now? Like, you, <laughs> let's, uh, how many, off the top, yeah. how many different states are you in right now? Oh, I don't know, I'd, I'd guess 15 or 16. Um we're in we're in five provinces now with Calgary coming into Alberta and putting their farm team in in the Saddle Dome. So we're we're across across the U.S. coast to coast and almost across the Canada coast to coast. Not quite on the East Coast in Canada. Did you kind of get back to normal last year as the season progressed in the AHL, uh, given all the challenges with COVID? 
Yeah, we did. Um, uh, we got hit pretty hard at U.S. Thanksgiving to about mid-January with Omicron, and we had to postpone uh, around 78 games. Uh, we extended the season by, by six days. We fit all the games in, and we got a full playoff, and we had an expanded playoff this year with 23 teams qualifying instead of 16. So we had a full schedule. Yeah, we were pretty much back to normal. Um, as soon as, you know, as soon as really we followed the NHL's lead, and as soon as the NHL went to uh, uh, only testing symptomatic people, that put everybody um, pretty much back to normal and, uh, and and allowed us to proceed fairly regularly. We still limited what the players could do uh, community-wise and uh, in and amongst the public. Uh, I think that's going to go away this year, and uh, we're going to be completely back to normal, other than you will have some sort of testing or, you know, and dealing with unvaccinated, unvaccinated people. Yeah. Uh, I ended up uh, testing uh, positive for COVID. Uh, geez, I've already got my fourth shot now, but I uh, got, got the third shot in September. I was one of the last guys that was with the Oilers traveling party, Scott. So uh, I ended up in Chicago for five days and then flew to Bakersfield because, you know, I had to stay in the States for 11 days before coming back to Canada. Uh, and at that yeah. time, they had very limited seating for, you know, the games in Bakersfield. Uh, how much were you guys af- affected overall in terms of from the business end? I mean, you've got some very different scenarios. You've got some teams that are owned by their NHL parent team. You have other teams, uh, I think a Hershey and, and Wilkes-Barre as an example, that have been longstanding NHL franchises that have been basically run, you know, a little, certainly differently than maybe uh, some of the other clubs. Did it really uh, sort of undercut the business a bit? or uh, You know, was it fairly extensive or did it, was it sort of mitigated as the season went on? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was extensive. We finished, uh, just to give you an example, we finished with the fourth highest ticket revenue, overall ticket revenue that we've had. So that's pretty good. I'd say we were off about 10% of our highest uh uh, year for ticket revenue, and really, uh, there weren't many restrictions here in the states. We had, we we had to overcome the, you know, our, our Canadian teams uh, had to overcome, you know, some severe restrictions there. I know Belleville, Manitoba, uh, Laval, Toronto all had zero capacity for a good five or six weeks. Abbotsford was restricted to fifty percent, so that's where most of the restrictions came in. Uh, was in Canada and uh, in the states, it was. There weren't, weren't really many uh, attendance restrictions. Okay. Uh, well, you, you mentioned Canada. Calgary's now moved their farm team uh, to Calgary. Uh, so we now have a. So uh, you've now got basically six of the seven Canadian teams with their Canadian AHL affiliates in Canada. Uh, is this is this problematic for the league a bit, or how do you kind of work around that? No, it's not problematic at all. We. Uh... Uh, the only thing I'd say is that the Pacific Division and the Oilers were part of uh, establishing the Pacific Division, uh, I think it's six years ago now, and I was part of that group uh, working for the Oilers at the time. Um, and, you know, it was a, it was a nice five-team division. Uh, they could bus everywhere and, and, you know, with development at the forefront. And now that, you know, the law of unintended consequences that's now grown to 10 teams and it's 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 a lot more spread out you've got you've got a team in Tucson you've got a team in Abbotsford now you have a team in Calgary so uh Henderson uh which is in Las Vegas so um it's it's really become spread out so it's it's sort of changed that model in the Pacific division but as far as the league goes uh it it it, it hasn't had a drastic impact at all 
Uh, here we go. We got a texter, Jensen, out of uh, going by the handle Ogo Pogo. Bob, are the Condors considering moving to the Okanagan next year? Uh, wow, I, I'm not sure what the relation. I, I think Bakersfield's doing pretty well, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, I, I get no sense that the Oilers are mo- interested in moving out of Bakersfield. It's it's it, it it did suffer a little bit through COVID that market, but uh, it's, I think the Oilers are quite happy in Bakersfield, and uh, there's there's no intention for for them to to move anywhere right now that I've heard of. Scott, you're still the number one developmental league for the the National Hockey League. Uh, how many? Can you maybe educate our listeners on how many AHL or pro veterans you're allowed per team and what the game total uh, is, uh, just so you can maybe educate the people out there? Yeah, it's uh, it's 260 games. You're allowed five players. Goalies, you can have as many veterans as you want. So goalies are a separate category. But you're allowed, as far as skaters go, you're allowed to dress uh, five skaters uh, that have played more than 260 games uh, and uh, actually six skaters that have played, you know, in the 260, 280, 300. Uh, there's one exempt player, too. So at the end of the day, you can have six veterans in your lineup, and everybody else has to be uh, under that 260 games uh, uh, threshold. So and we're talking NHL or American Hockey League games. Does Europe count? Europe counts if you... Uh, if you played as Europe one count, if you played as an eighteen or nineteen year old, like some kids play in the Swedish Elite League as juniors, right? They don't count those games. But once you turn pro age and you've played forty games in the Swedish Hockey League, then they would count as games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are there teams that are at one or two veterans during the course of the season? I mean, I, again, I'm going to circle back to to Hershey and Wilkesbury, and for that matter, the Marlies. I mean, historically, they've spent money on guys on one-way deals. That's one way to do it. But they've always seemed to me to have, you know, been at that five- or six-player threshold for their farm teams. How many teams in the league go the other route? Uh, not many. Not many go uh, all young. Uh, I would say it would be a very rare occurrence where you would watch a game with one team having only one or two veterans. There might be a team that that does three or four regularly, but one or two, not. I would say that's very rare. Okay. Uh, look, you, it's kind of interesting. Scott Housen joining us. You replaced Dave Andrews in the Oilers organization to run the farm team all those years ago. Was it in Hamilton at that time? No, it was in Cape Breton. It was out in the Cape. Oh, that's how far back we're going. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we moved it. We, I was there for two years, and we moved it to uh, Hamilton after that. Okay, and uh, and now, of course, actually, I saw Steve Stales is in town. I saw him yesterday uh, at the Starbucks uh, in Twilliger around uh, ten o'clock. Speaking of Hamilton, he's with the. Uh, they now have obviously an OHL franchise. So, is it a different league, Scott, from all those years that you kind of ran the farm team uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, circa late nineties into before you went to the Columbus Blue Jackets in two thousand seven? Is it a, is the AHL a, a considerably different league now than maybe it was you know going back twenty years ago? Yeah, it's it, it's different in, in a lot of ways. The business has grown. Um, our geography is the footprint is just massive now, as we spoke about earlier. So you know, it used to be basically a regional northeast league of sixteen, seventeen, eighteen teams, and that's when I was. You know, we had the five Atlantic Division clubs in, in Atlantic Canada, and we had, you know, 10, 10 or 11, 12 teams down here, you know, in the in the eastern part of the states. And, and now it's completely different, and, and we've moved into bigger markets. 
And uh, and the other thing that's happened with our league is development's really taken over. And I credit Dave a lot for that. He had the foresight to see that and instituted this development rule that we talked about where you can only have six players that have played over a certain number of games uh, on the ice each night. And, uh, and and the NHL team saw this, the salary cap came in in 2004 and they saw that we need to develop and we saw the, uh, you know, a lot of our teams get bought by NHL teams and so they can control the whole operation and, and control the development and move them closer. And that was the uh, that, that's what happened with the Pacific Division is all those teams, all the Western-based teams wanted to move their teams closer so they could be more in touch with the development of their players. We're joined right now by Scott Housen. Scott, you spent all those years in two different stints with the Edmonton Oilers. Did you watch the playoff run at all? Oh, yeah, I did, yep. Yeah, as much as I can. I mean, I was I was watching our own playoffs and traveling a lot, but uh, I did, I did see uh, a number of games, and uh, it was nice to see them break through that barrier and, and start advancing now and uh, and hopefully there's better things to come for the Oilers. Alright, well you were part of the staffs uh, in different roles. Uh, I know back in the 14-15 the, the uh, time frame you were doing more amateur back then, right? Uh, yeah, I was, I was doing half amateur, half pro. I, I'd sort of turn my attention to the amateur in the second half of the season, yes. What do you think it's easier to, from an analytics perspective? Uh, do you think it's easier for analytics to potentially impact amateur or pro? You've worked in both. Yeah, I would say it's easier to impact in pro. You, have, you, just, you just don't have the same information that that you have in pro that you can, you just can't get your hands on that inf- on that information in, in, uh, in amateur. It's, it's growing, it's coming, but... Uh, um, I think in pro, you, you just have a bigger advantage. I know the 2015 draft year, obviously McDavid went number one and the Oilers made some trades. Uh, the fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks all ended up being uh, defensemen that played in the NHL. None of the guys were particularly big, but uh, Caleb Jones, who just signed a one-year extension in Chicago, he was your fourth round pick. Ethan Bear, who did sign a one-year deal in Carolina, would not surprise me if he gets traded between now and the start of the season. Uh, he's you know signed on a one-year deal at two million bucks, and John Marino, uh, a six-round pick. I mean, you guys did some good work there, didn't you, in that 2015 draft to get three defensemen? That's, yeah, that that's, that's one of the uh, drafts that I'm most proud of uh, because we went into that draft. As you remember, we had we had a lot of picks, and we traded some of the early ones, and uh, ended up with picking Connor, and then waiting for a long time and. Uh, and we we pick, we made three really good picks and uh, and to get a guy like John Marino in the sixth round, uh, it's too bad it didn't work out for the Oilers. Uh, when I used to, uh, uh, when I used to go watch him play after we drafted him, right. you could see that he had all kinds of potential. Big, strong guy that could move and make a play. Um, you didn't know. I didn't. I didn't. I can't tell you. I thought he was going to make the NHL right away. He made it right out of college, basically. Um, but uh, yeah, though, though, that was a tremendous draft by the Oilers. Well, uh, 2017 draft, uh, Edmonton uh, got Yamamoto in the first round, and they got. Uh, a uh, third-round guy by the name of Stuart Skinner. And the goaltending evolution's an interesting one. You do get an extra year, Scott. You know this as a former general manager uh, with Columbus and your time at Edmonton as well. But it is interesting to watch the progression of goaltenders work their way up, sometimes starting in the ECHL after playing junior college, then into the AHL to get their shot at the National Hockey League. It's a little bit different route than it is for the positional players, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and Stewart's a great example of that. He had a, if you remember, we drafted him, and then he had a um, terrific run in the Memorial Cup. I think he got traded 
to Swift Current, and uh, and he was, you know, arguably the best goal in the WHL, but he had his hiccups. He needed to go to the ECHL, and, uh, and it's just been a very gradual progression for him, and I'm just thrilled for him that now it looks like he's on the precipice of uh, being a full-time NHL goalie, so good for him. He put the work in. He put the work in, and that's what a lot of the players don't understand is it's a lot of work, and if you talk to some of these pros like a Stuart Skinner, uh, they would tell you that it's a lot of work, and they didn't realize that when they were when they were coming out of junior. Yeah, uh, no, there's no question about it. Scott, uh, what's the biggest, just to wrap up, we're going to circle back to your current uh, role in the American Hockey League as president and CEO. What's the biggest challenge that you guys have that you're facing right now? Well, I think after getting through COVID, now it's getting everybody's feet back on the ground and, and growing our business. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's been tough. There was reluctance. Not only were there restrictions, there was a reluctance to, for people to come out, some people to come out and gather. And, and now we've just got to get that back to normal. I mean, this league was on a record pace uh, going into March of 2020 when, when the pandemic hit. And now we've got to get back to those levels. And I'm confident we will. We've got a new franchise coming in. Seattle's farm team, is, I think, is going to be a home run in Coachella Valley, California. And I think our revenues are going to take off. But we've got a lot of work to do to get there. Scott, as always, great stuff. We'll catch up with you during the season, okay? Yep. Look forward to it, Bob. Take there, care. There you go. That is Scott Housen, uh, who was the assistant general manager for the Edmonton Oilers from about... Uh, I'm going to say about 1998 or 99 till 2007 went to become the GM of Columbus from 07 to 2012, 13. Uh, the during the course of that lockout shortened year in 2013, uh, got let go by Columbus, resurfaced in Edmonton from 13 until 2019, whereupon he became the president and the CEO of the American Hockey League. It's interesting when Scott left. Uh, you know, was uh, relieved of his duties by Columbus, Edmonton, Vancouver with Mike Gillis, um, uh, Philadelphia, and Detroit with Ken Holland were the four teams that were all looking to bring Holland or uh, Housen in as uh, as senior executive, and he would go on and spend the next six seasons in Edmonton from 2013 to 2019. It is 152 in Edmonton. When we come back, we'll wrap up Oilers now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's all good. We are going to go to this day in orders history, 153 in Edmonton. Here's Brendan Escott for New West Travel. You see, we get chit-chatting, and then I lose track of what's going uh, on. Yeah, we talked about it a little earlier on. Back in 1956, longtime Oilers player, coach, and general manager Craig McTavish, born in London, Ontario. Oilers uh, signed him ahead of the 1985-86 season. as part of three Stanley Cup wins as a player and then coached the team back to the final in 2006. Then it filled uh, front office roles until his departure for a uh, brief coaching stint in the KHL. Of course, this offseason, catching on again with St. Louis, the team who he retired as a player with, Bob, in 96-97. He'll work as an assistant there. So Craig's the GM of the team. Uh, yours truly had an abscess tooth and could not get it looked at until 
uh, Monday, and we had a, a, a Saturday game in Vancouver. So I went in late Thursday afternoon. They gave me a bunch of T3s. Uh, and Friday, I went to fly with the Edmonton Oilers, and Craig had brought his daughter on the plane. And uh, so I, I fly with the team to Vancouver, and I have I tend to have a sugar-free rock star every morning. So I had like six T3s over the previous 12 hours or something. You know, I'm 240 at the time, whatever. I can handle it. And they decided to, you know, I had a Bailey's and coffee on the plane, and lo and behold, I passed out and uh, at the front of the plane. And Mac T's over top of me when I wake up and TD Force is there and Craig goes, uh, you know, stuff, I'm glad you woke up. That's important. He goes, but I will tell you this, about three years ago, I would have been the first guy to open up that uh, door and push you right out of it as we were flying. So he always had a great sense of humor. Craig McTavish, birthday. Happy birthday to him today. Dave Campbell has Inside Sports. He's guest host tonight for Reed Wilkins. What has Dave got rolling? Yeah, lots of Elks talk. You're going to hear from uh, Lions color analyst Julio Caravada on what's been an unbelievable season for Nathan Rourke. I mean, it's got to be special to be a fan of the Lions right now. Uh, and you get Elks this week as well with uh, Morley Scott talking about a regroup here at 2-7. and seven. All right. Uh, tomorrow, Mark Spector in studio. Speck will join us for the Horses and Horse Race in Alberta presenting Western Canada's biggest day in racing, the 93rd running of the Canadian Derby. This Saturday, August 20th at Century Mile. Tickets are available now. Have a magnificent Monday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Kevin Robertson, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, then the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody. Don't